Whoa, that light's bright. Good morning, everyone. Good to be here and uh, thank uh, Sean and Becca and the leadership team for having me come today and speak. What wonderful worship. Love songs about the Lord and about Jesus and in this day when a lot of songs are about ourselves. You know, I won't go there. But anyway, it is a privilege to be here. I'm very, very proud of Pastor Sean and Becca, the growth I've seen in their lives. And we won't talk about the one time I was escorting somebody out the door and uh, maybe you even unlocked the door for me. Someone that was a rebel and didn't want to receive counseling. And I said, I'm done, the door's here, go. I said I wasn't gonna tell it, but I'm telling it anyway. And <laughs> Pastor Sean looked at me and said, I didn't know we could counsel like that. <laughs> And I said, we can't. Do not do what I do. I just try to stay away from counseling rebellious people so I don't shove them out the door because I don't know how it might tick me off that they're, they've come and wasted my time. But uh, let me uh, pray, okay? <laughs> Father, I do thank you for this opportunity to come and expose again this morning, another lie that is put in the heads of people. It's a great opportunity to speak your truth. We surrender ourselves to you asking, God, I ask that you speak through me, that your word would be anointed, that every heart would receive something today, if not totally a change in our lives. If there are lost people, they'll be saved. If there are people that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, they will be this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now I'm going to pick up on the series of exposing the lies, and I just lost my notes, so I'll go to these notes. Ah, that's why we keep a backup copy. <laughs> and uh, I listened to part of Pastor Sean's message from last week about the lie of just follow your heart. And it was so true what you said about that because we hear that so much today. I'm just gonna follow my heart. And uh, what we're supposed to follow is the Lord and his word, not our heart. We can't trust our hearts. And you talked about Ziglag and how if David had followed his heart after the very men that he had trained up. You know, there's something about betrayal. When friends betray you, it's one, one of the saddest things. It's like, wow, I taught you all. I taught you how to be brave, mighty men. And now when we come into Ziglag and it's the worst day of our lives that everybody we love is carried away, and we all feel horrible, but you're turning on me. That's what they did with David. And so they cried and cried and were ready to stone him. And as Pastor Sean said, if he had followed his heart, he'd have spent a life in depression. But instead, he sought the Lord and inquired of him and said, should we pursue and God answered that question and said, pursue. And so everything was restored and given back to him because he wasn't depressed. That is a lie to follow our hearts. Well, today's lie that we're going to expose, and I've heard people say this, God doesn't talk to me. 
God doesn't talk to me, or I don't hear the voice of God. This comes from Christians that I hear sometimes. Well, God doesn't speak to me. When thinking about the story of Siglag, Sean and I had the same senior pastor, so did Aaron and Sarah and some others here, and he preached a sermon on what to do on the worst day of your life, and it was taken from 1 Samuel 30 about Siglag, and it had quite an impression on me. Some sermons stick with you all of your life. You will never forget them because obviously you needed to hear it at that time. But what to do? Because he said, David, that would have been, there were probably many more worse days before it was over with with David, but he had more glorious days. And so I thought about that, and I thought about a time that was one of the worst days, if not the worst day of my life. And I want to share a bit of that story with you because I want you to know you can hear from God even in the midst, midst of the worst day of your life and when there are many voices telling you other things. And so my first husband was still alive, but he was dying. It had been a horrible time in my life as he had Parkinson's disease and then a brain tumor, and he turned into a totally different person. I stayed married because I believe in my marriage vows, till death do his part, in sickness and in health. And he was really, really sick. And that does affect the caretaker. Many of you probably know that. It affects you too, uh, as much as it is them. As I was trying to take care of him at home, it was horrible because he was awake all night long. I mean all night long wanting something or yelling or trying to bite me or saying horrible things to me. And may I say, when I hear people say, I would never put somebody in a home, you might if you have to survive. And I am a survivor and I began to think I was going under. And there was a particular night, really I had before that and anybody that knows me knows, wow, you really were losing it. I covered my entire body with a blanket, trying to shut the world out. There was another night, I recall that as I was studying for this sermon, that I finally had him tucked in bed for a few moments, and I literally went outside and sat under a tree. And if I remember why it was raining, and I was thinking many times, I think I'm losing my mind. And I'm not sure I didn't have a nervous breakdown, but I'm the kind of person, I don't recommend this, will just pull myself back up by my bootstraps and think I can't do that, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know. But that particular night, I'm sitting there very quietly by myself, I didn't want to shout praises anymore. I still praise God, but I was very, very quiet. And in that quietness, I heard a voice. Now, we're talking today about the lie of God doesn't talk to me. There are, two, there are lots of voices, lots of voices, and we have to learn to tune in to what the one that matters. And I hear a little voice in my ear say to me, there is no help for you in God. 
Here's the good news. I've studied the Bible since 1971, and I know where a lot of scriptures are. I've memorized a lot of scriptures. God says to study to show yourself approved unto God, to memorize scriptures, to meditate on the word day and night that you would not sin against God. And so I had the word hidden, and I knew where that was. Now I'm telling you the state I was in was the sadness, the depression, the despair. But when that little voice said, there is no help for you and God, I knew he, it was being quoted from Psalm 3. And so my Bible wasn't right there, but it was in the kitchen, and I walked slowly across the room to grab my Bible. Probably stood up when I read this. O oh Lord, many are they increased who trouble me. I believe David is writing in regard to his son Absalom at the time, betraying him. Many are they increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say there is no help for you in God. Did you know the devil can quote the Bible? Demons even know. But God is greater. I was here, I believe, when you, we were here the week you uh, exposed the lie about the devil being that strong. I actually thought about preaching on being ruthless against the devil. And you know why? I thought, I don't want to spend that much time thinking about him. So <laughs> maybe another time, because you do have to be ruthless. When something like this happens, you do have to pursue, just like David did. You do have to rise up and stop feeling sorry for yourself. And so then I began to read. But you, O oh Lord, there are many times in our lives we'll need to say those words, but you, O oh Lord, you're the glory. You are the one that lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and that's what I was doing. Aren't you glad for the patriarchs that went before us, the women and men of God that were anointed by God, who knew how to hear the voice of God and the Bible so we can read something like this? I cry to the Lord. You're the one, O oh Lord. You're the shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter. How many believe I start getting out of depression pretty quickly? I even thought, my land, I'm still a threat to the devil. I didn't think I was a threat to anybody at that moment. I thought, I still intimidate him. Even in my darkest hour, even in the worst day of my life, I still intimidate the devil. Why? Because Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not because of me, but because of him. I don't think he tried to talk to me after that with little <laughs> voices like that. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I had not slept. I was sleep-deprived unbelievably to the point of almost being psychotic, a nurse told me. Vicki Francis told me that. You better get some sleep. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And so I'm here today to expose the lie that God doesn't talk to me. We're going to find out in this sermon 
why, if you think that, he doesn't talk to you? How many want God to talk to them? You want to hear the voice of God. Now, he's spoken to me in different ways at different times. In my testimony in 1971, after being a church girl, after going to church, after memorizing the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, teaching Sunday school class, singing in the choir, never failing to go on Sunday, but still did not know Jesus Christ. I had a head knowledge, but I didn't know him. I did not know him personally. I'd almost go around church asking people how to find God. See, God draws people. He was drawing me. We can't even draw ourselves. He does everything. He was drawing me, and I was so hungry to find God. And it seemed like in that church, no, this one, you just attack the person if they said that. It's like, I can't find God. How, would I, how many of you would tell them immediately how to find God? But I wasn't in a church that taught how to be born again. And so I was searching for God and finally found him through the word of God in a different church on a January day, 1971, when I heard the word of God from the epistles of John, there was a Bible study. Now, I had to dust my Bible off to go that day because the Bible didn't mean a whole lot to me because I didn't have the author in my life yet. And so I heard from 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and forgive you of all unrighteousness. I heard that, but even greater than that, folks, some women asked me to come over to their house and just fellowship after that study. Oh, the beauty of fellowship with one another. They were so on fire for God. They were exactly who I had been looking for. And they talked about Jesus. I thought, they know him. Wow, they know him. And so I caught Christianity that day. Christianity is not only taught, but it is caught. And they said, when we open our Bibles, God talks to us. Now, this seems funny now, but I was juvenile. I was just coming to the Lord. And we get information from God. We open our Bibles, and he talks to us. Oh, number one way God talks to us. The lie of he doesn't talk to me, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that out loud because it's kind of a dead giveaway that you're not reading your Bible. Did I say that nicely enough? <laughs> Just kind of a giveaway because he will talk to us, number one, in the Bible. But then there are those personal conversations we have with him after we get to know him. So I went home that day put my son now, he was pushing 50 years old, but I put him to bed. He was about two years old, and I got serious with God. That's how quickly you can change your mind, go from darkness to light that fast, even being around other Christians, that you catch what they have. And so that day, I surrendered my life to the Lord, and I meant it. I was scared. I was about 28, I think, and thought, I kind of wanted to wait till I was about 60. So maybe, I thought at 60, maybe you didn't have much of a life by then. <laughs> and I would wait till about 60 years old when I did everything else I wanted to do. I've met people like that. 
and I've had the privilege of praying with them on their deathbed. Thank God for his grace and mercy, but they missed out. They missed out in this life of what they could have had. And so I prayed the prayer with fear and trembling that now I'm going to be a missionary. Dang, I didn't want to be a missionary, but I know that's all God does with people is make them preachers and missionaries. <laughs> and so I, I did what they told me to do. I'm not recommending this for counsel from God. But remember, I was one minute into salvation. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do what they said to do. It wasn't this Bible. It was another one. But I opened that, just at randomly opened my Bible. And it was Jesus being baptized. So I'm a person of action. So I call my minister immediately that's how you need to respond to God. Once you get a revelation, don't sit on it forever. Move it, move it, move it. And so I called him and said, I want to be baptized. I'm I, I think I said something like, I'm changing my life. Uh, and he stumbled and stuttered around because of my church. You didn't do that. You baptize babies. You do not baptize adults. Maybe if they haven't been baptized as a baby and they go through confirmation classes, then you would do that. But he said, next Tuesday night, bring whoever you want, and I will baptize you. And boy, did it ever cause no small stir in that church, because I also have a mouth. So I began to tell all of them how they didn't know God and... <laughs> All that sort of thing. But the main point of this testimony that I want you to know is that I heard from God immediately. First of all, some direction about being baptized. Secondly, he began to reveal to me in the next week or two my sins. See, you can come to God just as you are. But don't think you're going to stay there. Because the Holy Spirit began to reveal things that I needed to make right with people. It's kind of scary to do that. I had to call a woman once, and I'm telling you, I know when I'm wrong, and I know when I'm right, usually. I was not wrong in this instance, but every time I would try to pray, her face would come to mind. And I'd try to ask God for things and move past that the prayer, move on in my prayer, and there she was, her face. And I thought, you're not going to leave me alone until I do this. I'm saying all this to say there is a time to be sanctified and set aside wholly unto God. And I've been at this for quite a while, and I've seen many people that bypass that and wonder why they can't hear from God. He will take you back to that time he told you to correct something. How many believe that and can say amen? How many believe we try to bypass it, try to skirt around it, because it's embarrassing to have to call somebody, and her name happened to be Linda also. Linda, I need to tell you, I said exactly the words that I felt like God was saying. Tell her that you are wrong, that you were wrong. I thought, dang, I wasn't wrong. Why are you making me say that I was wrong? I wasn't wrong. Okay, next day I'm trying to pray. There it is again. Tell her you were wrong. So I thought... All right. So I called and said, Linda, I need to ask your forgiveness. I was wrong. She says, well, I knew you were. I didn't know. There <laughs> but I'll tell you, the very day I got saved, 
The two weeks following, I began to straighten up my life and began to pull myself away from this world that had had me in bondage for years. You don't have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic. The world is the world, and if you love the world more than Jesus, you're probably not going to hear anything except you love the world more than you love me. That's what you'll hear. And so gradually, I pulled away, even with people making fun of me, persecuting me, that sort of thing. But I still had made a commitment, I will follow Jesus. All through the Bible, we read about God speaking to people. In the beginning, God spoke. He spoke the world into existence. And we won't give all, give all the account of he spoke. The first person he spoke to, besides the Trinity, let us make man in our own image, he spoke to Adam. And he told him to tend to the garden. Told him he had authority over everything. And then he told them about the tree of good and evil and not to eat from that tree. Why would he say that? I've always believed it's because God wanted us to stay pure and never have to know about evil. But now we know all kinds of things, don't we, about evil. Isn't that sad? And so God spoke, but there was a second voice that spoke. And here is our dilemma. There's more than one voice. And we have to so fine-tune our hearing to the frequency of God that we get used to only his leading. As many as are led of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Those that are willing to be led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. But we tune our lives, fine-tune it so much that that's the only voice we pay attention to. There's so much noise in this world today. We're going to have to slow down or we will be those that say, God doesn't talk to me. God talks. Would you say we're the problem? That we don't know how to hear. So another voice spoke. Now the serpent, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you'll not eat? from the tree of the garden. And you know, how many times has God spoken to you and then other voices came along and said, well, maybe you didn't really hear from God. Anybody ever have that happen? I have. You know why? We're impatient. God said to talk to him, he'll talk to us. But we do not have the right to tell sovereign God when he is going to bring the answer, or he, when he is going to manifest the answer. And so we get impatient. I've waited 20 years before until an answer came. And I never gave up on it. I didn't think about it all the time. I didn't obsess about it. But I've waited a long time, still seeing answers to prayer. I believe long after I'm gone, my kids will be the benefit of prayers. And I'll never know it because I'll already be where the Garden of Eden was supposed to be. And that was perfection. 
Now we wait till heaven for that. In the meantime, we're in a battle with which voice we're going to hear. One of my mentors, Dr. Fuchsia Pickett, was the president and pastor of Fountain Gate Ministries in Texas years ago. And uh, she said somebody asked her, how do you know the voice of God? She said, because I don't follow any other voice. I don't follow any other voice. You see, in the book of Psalms, David called God his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, and he restores my soul. And then it goes on and on. Later in the New Testament, Jesus said in John 10, My sheep follow me. They know my voice. My sheep know my voice. All we have to do is tap into him. They know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Now, in Genesis, we see two voices, the voice of God, the one that can produce, the one that can create. God said, and God saw. And he created man and woman to tend to the garden, and then they listened to the other voice. Well, I'll just pause for a moment to say, even if you've made a mistake and listened to the other voice, it can be corrected today. Nothing's over. We make mistakes along the journey. Hopefully, there are not huge regrets in our lives after we followed, began to follow the Lord. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Just like back in the garden, the serpent, if you study that word, it has to be with a, a deceiver, like somebody with witchcraft whispered into her ear. See, we think, what a dummy. We think he just presented himself as an angel of light, and, and she just went along with that after hearing from God. No, it was a deceiver. It was deception. I'm going to warn you today, if you read your horoscope or you go to some kind of soothsayer for your direction, it could cost you your life. That's forbidden. Would it be good to know the things God hates? It says in the Bible the things he hates. That's one of them. So boy, avoid that. I've heard people say, oh, I'm just playing around. You're not playing around with it. She was also just playing around with a deceiver, a serpent. And so today, as we talk to Christians, and we hear, God doesn't talk to me, I want to show a video right now of a three-year-old who seems to have that dilemma, wondering why God isn't talking to her. Can I just stand over here? Hey, what are you looking for? I'm looking for Jesus. Where is he? And I can't answer his his. What's he saying? I didn't hear an answer yet. Oh, well, where did you ask him? I said, I said hello, and he didn't ask me anything. Oh, no. So how will I feel him in my heart? Hmm, do you feel his love? Yes. Do you feel his peace so you're not afraid? Yes. Well, then he's there. But I don't hear his voice. Oh, cool. We'll keep listening. 
Hello? Hello? Are you there? I don't hear him. Now, I'm not sure that I showed that because that's my great-granddaughter. <laughs> but I just love that because we so often stay stuck there. Now, of course, she can't quite hear him yet. She doesn't know the Bible, but she is in a family just like many of you. You're training up your children in the ways of God, and so she believes she's supposed to because other people hear from God, so why can't she? But let's not go around looking down our shirts, okay, for God. There's other ways to find him. So in order to increase our ability, I want to get practical for a few moments. We must examine our priorities. We must examine our priorities. I've been studying lately a book from Thomas Chalmers, it has to do with the expulsive power of a new affection. You can't lead somebody from the old life without replacing it with the new. So I had this old life in 1971, and I couldn't just say in my own initiative, I'm just going to stop being over there. I had to fall in love with Jesus, a new affection in my life falling in love with him, and staying on his road the rest of my life. Do you know what a privilege it is to stand here at this age and be able to say I have very few regrets because I stayed on the road of righteousness with him. I kept studying to show myself approved unto God. So in order to hear his voice, if little Laney's ever going to hear his voice, she's going to need to get, be born again. Don't be afraid to lead your children to the Lord at a very young age. They understand as much as they can understand, and they'll keep growing. Many people think they're supposed to wait for years till they can really understand. Why not get Jesus in their hearts when they're real little? Real little. And then they'll just keep growing. He really does come into our lives. When we ask him to come in, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost all come and abide in us. I got to lead two of my kids to the Lord personally. So be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. That's one of the things the apostles heard from Jesus, is wait in the upper room until the Comforter comes. One is coming. And they did exactly what he said. And from that day till now, we have the privilege of being filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God, leading and directing our lives. All we have to do is change our priorities and put him first. We should grow always in the knowledge of God. I'm still growing at this age. I'm 76. I am growing in the knowledge of God until the day I die and I meet him face to face. And I hope I hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful. You were faithful. And so grow in the knowledge. Do you know him as omnipresent, which means he's always with us? You don't have to ever feel forsaken. In the darkest hour of my life, I thought, I feel like I'm in a dark tunnel. But I know that there's light at the other side. I know in whom I believe. I know that you are here because you said you are here. If you say you're omnipresent, then you're omnipresent. 
He is omnipotent. He's filled with all the power that we ever need. We don't tap into it. I'm ashamed of thinking of, of, of the things that I could have done and was just too afraid to do them. He's omniscient. That means he's all knowledge. You want to know something? Ask him. He has the answer. He has all knowledge. So know him as those three things. All, he, he's actual. Actual. It means he's not changing ever. He's not growing into somebody different. We keep growing. We keep changing. God is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Tap into Almighty God. Put him first place in our lives. Develop a listening ear. Learn to develop how to be, tune out everything else and tune in to him and to his frequency. Fifteen times in the New Testament it says, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit has to say. I love it when he talks to me. Sometimes he just drops a word in your life. How many have experienced that? And it's amazing. I thought, I, I just heard from God. One morning, just in my quiet time, I just heard, I'm going to surprise you today. Well, now, I always make a big deal out of it. I just romanticize it and think chariots are coming in the house, you know, and all kinds of stuff. I can't even remember now, but something did happen later that was a surprise. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I think I'm just going to accept that and stop looking. You, do you ever feel like you're looking too much for the grandiose when it's a very practical life in which we live? So tune your radios on. Turn the knob. Some of us that are older know what it was like to have a radio that you had to turn that knob ever so slowly so you could hear the right channel. How many remember that? And it really took, well, that's what we have to do. You have to tune in like that and stay tuned in there and don't get away from that voice. So how do we do this? We make adjustments in our lives. We fine tune, we tweak things, we change things. We become a minimalist. We downsize. I did that at the beginning of the year. We thought we might move. Sometimes we're always looking for direction, aren't we? Well, I thought I was retired, and why don't we get a smaller house? Maybe we ought to go. I start dreaming of all these things, but we can do that. That's okay, but if God doesn't say it, don't move. We're still where we were. But I began to think, and so I thought, well, let's, at least, let's get rid of a lot of stuff. So I did. I thought, how many bedspreads do you need? Let's get it down to just one for each bed. We don't need two for each bed. How many towels do you need? How many this, that, or the other do you need? I gave so much stuff away, sold stuff. We had so many bags to give away. It was unbelievable. Now, gosh, I'd like the feel of the house better because there's not extra clutter that we don't need there. That's what we should do with our lives. But right after that, I began looking at my life and thought, is there clutter in your life? Well, you'll examine yourself all of your life, I believe. We never arrive. Did you know that? You can be content in where you are with the Lord, but never satisfied because you're not in heaven yet. That's where we arrive. And so expect by faith to hear from God. I expect to hear from God every day. 
Now, if you're not expecting to, you probably won't. So expect to hear from God. It's, life is not just wishing and hoping. Wishing and hoping. Okay, say rah, say rah. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Yes, it is. You can create your own future. You know how I pray? Usually I have some prayers I pray, but I also, when somebody asks me to pray or I need an answer to prayer, I want to know the will of God first. Do you do that? I want to know the will of God. My first husband died. Tom's first wife died. That's not supposed to happen to us. We believe in healing. We believe in miracles. I've seen healing and miracles since then. Some things you best, better let it go. We don't know everything. Now, I'm not going to spend my life trying to figure it out. I'm going to live my life. And so it's not whatever will be will be. It's, you know, God never told me he'd heal him. You keep begging. You keep writing down scriptures. You keep going to prayer meetings. You just about wear yourself out with that sort of thing. And, and when he died, it, it was a, a, it's a shock to your system. You know that. You have lost somebody. But life is not over there unless you decide that it's over. And I don't have the answers. God said they're the hidden things. They're revealed things. And we don't have to keep dogging God for answers. But when we're praying... I like to know the will of God, so then I can pray in faith, believing and expecting that he will answer. They're basics that all of us know. We are to commune with God through our Bibles, Bible reading, daily Bible reading. Book of Psalms is a great place to hear from God. Just tap in on how the psalmist talked to God and pray pray every day. I keep a journal I have for years, and I keep, I'm practical now. I'm telling you some practical things that have worked for me. I keep two pens by my journal. The black pen that I'm writing, my thoughts to God, my prayers to God, and then I have the red pen. When Jesus talks, when the Lord talks, that's the ones I go back and look at. I don't care what I said. I want to know what he said. Two huge events in my life. 1983, I was used to journaling. I was used to talking to God. And he began to shake me, even throw me out of my chair, shaking me all over, saying, you will birth a nation in my name. And, and many other things he said during that time. Do not fear what mere man can do to you. When God says that to you, there's going to be things that are going to try to scare you. And he's telling you ahead of time, don't do it. Don't cave into that. Fear not, I am with you. And so he said, signs and wonders will be commonplace to you. I've seen things that are incredible in my life that have happened through me. It's shocking to me that blind eyes could open, that, that cancer would leave, all sorts of things. But that's how he wants us to live. But there's a price to pay for that. It, it's called a discipline. There are disciplines in our Christian life to discipline ourselves to read the Bible and to pray before you do other things. And then he will speak to us. Take time always to praise him, to be thankful and to worship him. The Apostle Paul said to not be ignorant of spiritual gifts. 
I wouldn't want to take a poll of the room to ask you what you know about spiritual gifts. But especially the gifts like a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge and prophecy and discerning of spirits, those are gifts where you hear from God and he works through your life to help another person. And so to be familiar with them is really a help as you're growing in the Lord. There have been times when there was a big, I was in a me, doing a meeting, I was the speaker, and they lined up women afterwards, and I was walking along praying for them, and then that word of knowledge began to come, and so I would speak into their lives, and I've approached a woman who's quite elderly, and I hear, ask her about her little boy. I'm not asking this old woman about her little boy. She, you see how old she is? You know, I think I'm missing it on this one. So I go down several people. He said, I told you, ask the woman. Do you know that God commands, he doesn't suggest? Are you familiar with that voice? He said, I said to you, and by the way, when I became a new Christian, the voice of God sounded very much like the authoritative voice of my father. I could really meddle here. I might leave it alone, and I might not. But so many young parents I'm hearing today making all these suggestions. What time do you want to go to bed? What do you want to wear today? What would you like for, we're going to plan dinner all around what you want. That sort of thing. Instead of bedtimes at 8, you all know that, you're going to bed at 8. I maintain if you would teach children how to follow the voice of authority, perhaps when they're older, they'd learn how to follow God. Okay, I did meddle. It was okay. <laughs> and so God said to me, I told you. So I go back and said, ma'am, excuse me. I mean, you're trying to qualify that you're going to ask what seems like a really stupid thing. I said, I'm, I'm supposed to. Now I blame God. God wants, me to, <laughs> God wants me to ask you about your little boy. You know what she said? My little boy died when he was six years old and defied me, looked at me like, and what are you going to do about it? I thought, help, help. A word of knowledge is this, that. A word. You don't know all of it. But he will not give you the rest of it until you move on the words you got. And she said he died. I said, then I guess he wants me to pray for you. You still are suffering from that. I'm not suffering. It is my husband that suffers over this. Thought, oh, God help me. Now I'm in a mess here. So I, don't, I, I prayed for her. But God fills us with his spirit, folks, to be witnesses, to help other people. And he wants us to be, it's not all about hearing his voice so I know where I'm supposed to go today, unless I'm going to be a blessing to somebody else. And so gifts are very, very important. Pastor Sean, even at Word of Life Church, because they asked my former husband and I, to help oversee the church, that put me in an area of authority. And see, we're not talking about suspicion. I'm talking about discerning of spirits. That's one of the gifts, discerning of spirits. And I believe that gift was in operation in me one day because they hired somebody, 
And immediately the Spirit of God said to me, that, that man's not who they think he is. I don't know, what are you telling me this for? <laughs> and, and it's like he'll only show you in part. Gift, discerning of spirits is evil spirit, spirit of God. It's not suspicion. It's just either this is right or that's right. And it's like, and he'll show you just what he wants you to know. You don't even have to investigate any further unless he tells you to. But I knew that something was mentally wrong with him too. Oh dear, oh dear. And as it turns out, he had spoken to me. What I did during that period of time that he was there, I did not feel like God was telling me to tell the pastor and his wife. But I watched the man and I prayed. And there came the day he was exposed. And he could have done great damage to that church by pulling people away and starting another church that would not have been God. So he wants us, he wants to talk to us. It's such a lie that we cannot hear from God. Keep an attitude of humility when you're hearing from God because he might correct you along the way. And I'll share this one story quickly. I said in the beginning days, when you're just learning to hear from God, there'll be a lot of correction, and you must say yes to him. You must agree with him. One of the things I stopped doing when I became a Christian, I felt like God told me, don't drink anymore. So I didn't do that. Well, that caused a lot of stir among my friends. They didn't understand what is it, because they felt condemned, I guess. And so I went to a little tea party and there was a punch bowl, and I drank some of the punch, and one of the women said, hey, that was Spike, that had vodka in it, like, ha, 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 we got you, we got you to drink. You know, they're mean people out there. And I've shot back with an answer. That sounds like something you would have done. And I walked out the door, and I heard the voice of the Spirit say to me, would you like to know what I would have said? I already knew I was in trouble by the way I said it. Does your mouth ever get you in trouble, some of you, really, in your attitudes? Um, he said, I would have said, and he called her by name, why does it bother you that I don't drink? Wasn't that good? So if we slow down and hear his voice, it will always be good. I'm going to conclude by reading from Romans 12 because this is what I believe we must do if we want to hear from God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We all have faith. For as, I'm reading the wrong thing. That's not the one I want to read. What do I want to read? Okay, yes it is. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. One of the things the Lord showed me in studying is Isaiah was talking to rebellious people, saying to them, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Say this to them, Isaiah. Your thoughts aren't my thoughts and your ways are not my ways. He's basically giving them a chance to straighten up. 
On the flip side of that, I believe that you can get so mature in God that the thoughts you have are the thoughts of God. And a few years ago, I had asked God a question after studying Nehemiah and seeing how God raised him up with a cause, a purpose. And I wasn't feeling much of a purpose in my life. And you have to be careful as you get older, you think, well, I'm just supposed to be set aside here. I said, is there no purpose for me anymore? Are you finished with me? Do you want me to preach anymore? What do you want? But again, he doesn't have to answer just because you asked the question. He doesn't have to answer right that minute. It was weeks later. I had my little journal out, my two little pens, and I hear him say to me, I'm opening up a wide door of opportunity for you. It is so wide that you will recognize it and no man will shut it. Wasn't long after that I was invited to preach at Lathrop, Missouri in a Christian church. Don't even know much about disciples of Christ. And when we sat in the parlor, Tom and I sat in the parlor, and I looked out into the auditorium, I had this thought, I could pastor here. Now I'm talking about your thoughts, your words can be God's. And you think it's the first person, you think you're thinking it when all the time your thoughts and your ways have become so connected to God that he didn't have to say to me, because I, I thought about it later, why didn't you say I've called you to pastor here? It's because your thoughts are my thoughts. I could pastor here. As we're leaving and greeting the people that day, the chairman of the board shook my hand and said, would you pastor this church? Uh, what kind of people ask you to pastor after you're there one time? I always have my own little side thoughts going on, but I did pastor for two years. Would you stand with me this morning as we present ourselves to the Lord? Would the team come and pray for people today that might have prayer needs as I pray? I want each of you, my desires, at the end of your life, you'll be like Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, and say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. I pray for you today that if you're not as sold out to God as you should be, if there's too much clutter in your life and it's a time to declutter, it's a time to fine-tune, it's a time to tune into God's frequency so you never again have to ever say, I don't hear God, God doesn't speak to me. God, give people courage today to come and get their life straight with you, whether it would be to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to operate in your gifts and help other people to be able to hear you. First of all, call us to you. Call us to you and let us know what you are calling us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come.